All right, everybody, so we're finally there. Uh, the last segment, the Frick League Pacific, um, is the subject of this podcast where Ron is still driving the car, boat, ship. Ron's still driving something, and Steve and I are chiming in. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this series so far. We had a lot of fun recording it, and um, without any further ado, we'll just keep going. So that moves us into your guys' bailiwick, the Frick Pacific, uh, which is where are all the, you know, if, going back to the very beginning, right, looking at these, uh, you know, what groups had hot uh, free agencies and whatnot. I look at uh, the Frontier and they just didn't do a whole lot, right, before it's all said and done. There are only four players signed in the Frontier to begin with, and Calgary probably had the best of, of the collection. The Heartland, I look at my Heartland competitors, and they say, well, they all did something positive. But I wouldn't say uh, of them, perhaps maybe the most eye-catching is Des Moines before it's all said and done, especially if you just if you discount my signing of Salazar, which is kind of a sexy sizzle signing right now but i'm not sure whether that's going to pan out but everyone kind of did something useful for their team right the pacific is just insane right i mean you guys are (laughs) uh holy cows best division in baseball this is uh you guys like the second best division in baseball now (laughs) (laughs) you know i think i think the frontier might pass us soon edmonton edmonton might be the best team in the frick now and um Calgary's yeah, Edmonton, Edmonton is going to be really solid. Calgary is always fairly strong, but you've got Boise and Vancouver who are still going to struggle for a little bit, and Seattle is trying to figure out what they're going to do. I mean, California is California. Uh, San Fernando is San Fernando. Long Beach, Stephen, you're always good, and you look – we're going to talk more about you here in the future, right? Valencia is coming up, and I'm going to actually go backward here. I'm going to start with Valencia and move uh, up the chain rather than than down, right? Because I want to talk about Valencia. Valencia has had some super young players, and they've uh, just picked up, um, what, four, four new guys out of free agency. Uh, poor Hawaii right now. Mike has got his um, – his job cut out for him because he's going to be figuring stuff out with a new team in one of the hottest divisions going right now. And the free agency process that went on in the, in the Pacific is just like uh, you guys are cannibalizing each other. Right. Right. Um, Let's look at Valencia who signed uh, perhaps the best free agent uh, uh, reliever out there in Luis Ortega, right? Six years, fairly pricey contract before it's all said and done. Forty-seven million guaranteed, and a couple of more options at the end. You got Lee McCone, uh, who I think came from you, right, Stephen? Um, yes. Long Beach the year before, thirty-year-old starting pitcher, signed for three years at uh, thirty million guaranteed, and a team option after that. Uh, Mike Ellis, twenty-four-year-old first baseman out of I think Mexico City, um, if I'm remembering right. Uh, four cheap years at uh, for a 24 year a 24 year old free agent uh, with a fifth uh, team option at six million and Rafael Morales uh, 30 year old uh, relief pitcher at 3.6 million for only one year. Um, you guys are in the Pacific. Let's start with you, Stephen. What do you think about what Valencia has done, and where do you see them right now? Um, I think there's some good and some 
maybe overpays in here. Um, I really like the Ellis signing. Um, he is maybe not, you know, your ideal first baseman because you might want a little more power. Um, but I think, you know, any time you can get a 24-year-old um, in free agency, that's pretty good, especially at under $6 million. Um, he is going to hit pretty well uh, based on his past performance. Um, so I think that's a great signing. Um, I think uh, the McCohn deal is a bit of an overpay. Um, he is should not be used as, to, as a starter, um, and his stuff is kind of starting to deteriorate. Uh, at least against uh, lefties, um, but if he's used properly, he is—you know—he's a really great relief pitcher. Morales um, and Ortega, um, you know, Morales is is a a, a great deal um, at three point six. I think he really uh, he really shoves versus righties, um, and and uh, Ortega again more than I would like to pay a reliever. But, you know, he's a lefty, he's, uh, you know, he's got good stamina, he's going to throw a lot of innings, he's going to provide a lot of value. So, you know, overall, I think it's a good job, but, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit of an overpay on the relievers. Ted, yeah, thoughts? I'd echo most of that. Mike Ellis is my favorite contract in free agency this year. It's That's a great, 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 great deal. Again, not my type of guy, but... He's a three-win player. He's 24 years old. He'll probably stay a three-win player, and that's just a ridiculously good rate. The only question I have about that deal is why not six years? Why? Why did you know? Like, I, it's kind of, it, kind of weird. Yeah, it's a good but point. But that's not important, really. I mean, fine, whatever. Um, I hate escalating deals on older pitchers, especially relievers. So while Luis Ortega is incredible, and I have no problem with 9, 10.5, 11.5, um, I think there's a good chance he opts out, so it might not even matter based upon what we saw this year, if, especially if he stays good. But the other thing I don't like about it is uh, just that, just the, you know, there's been a little debate on the boards recently about gaming, gaming the game with contracts, and I think those are fair. Any, you know, there's some things you can do, but like I hate player option after team option. They should hard code OTP to decline those. Like the the player should just either say no or demand that the entire like eighty percent of the player option be paid as part of the team option buyout because it's a that that's a non that's a non real year. Like it it, it doesn't it doesn't exist. Um, so I I just hate seeing that and not not like again this isn't like a Lee thing. Lots of people do it. It's fine. Whatever. But it, it's just like a game inefficiency that I, I just hate looking at from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, but it's always hard for me to like reliever deals because I don't pay for relievers. I just don't. I refuse to do it. Um, I don't think you have to ever really. But if you do and you can afford it and you can, he's the guy you spend the money on. I echo your thoughts on McCone. Yeah. Um, I think that if you were going to go with like a bullpenning strategy um, and get 150 innings out of him every year, it's fine. Um, same thing with, you know, the Morales is okay. But I, I love that Ellis deal. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, when I look at um, the overall collection of what is going on in Valencia, right, 
realize at this stage that Valencia's budget is Valencia still is is bringing a knife into a gunfight, right? Before it's all said and done, when you look at the amount of money that they can spend on things, right? Um, but they have some of the more uh, exciting young players on their roster right now, so they can afford again some of the overpay. So when I look at the the question going forward on Valencia is what is their finances? What are their finances going to look like in three years? Right? What are their finances going to look like right now? I expect that they will be winning more, and so their revenue stream will be going up. Uh, which would mean that their budget will continue to go up. So they should be able to continue to add players uh, depending on whether they can, especially I think Zalapa, if I remember right, is getting ready to go into his arbitration years. Uh, but most of the rest of them still have some min-sal years going. So when I look I'm, when I look at this, I look at Lee is actually starting to look out into the future. And I agree, why not six years on Ellis? But I think that's um, uh, neither here nor there. The thing that I find the most exciting or interesting is the Ortega deal has the opt-out after three years, which either he's going to accept that opt-out, which then probably gives Lee a draft pick, um, or if he doesn't accept the opt-out, the worst case is, is more than likely you buy out his, uh, you have to... Uh, eat $13 million in the fourth year of that deal, right? Um, and that's not horrible. Which is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not horrible, especially if his budget is going up because he's essentially at $84 million. He's got $36 million of budget growth that um, that he can effectively leverage if he begins winning now which with balanced schedules means he's not going to have to be facing California and San Fernando at Long Beach as often as he would have to if we were not playing balanced schedules. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm extremely intrigued by Valencia. It's the most interesting team in the Pacific to me. Uh, and I thought that at the end of the day, Lee did almost exactly what he really needed with the exception that he, like most teams coming up, really needs... He needs Mauro Flores, yeah. <laughs> right? He needs uh, that top-end starting pitcher, but you don't find those top-end starting pitchers too easily. And actually, he may be better off waiting until next year to add them. So it's really a fascinating team right now to watch. Anyway, that's my uh, take looking in. I gave him a B-plus 65, one of the top, uh, not quite the top score, but one of the top scores in the, uh, in the listing for me. I, I can't go that high only because of my paying relievers bias. I don't think you're wrong. I just, you know, you got your prejudices and it's hard to get around them. Um, oh, sure. But I'd still say it's a good, it's a, it's one of the better, it, it's a good free agency. And I, I agree that like you see a lot of these teams get to where Valencia is and not add players and mm-hmm. Lee's adding players. And that's exactly what he should be doing. So I, I do like it. Yeah. My, my actual notes are where was it's a pricey but productive uh, lots of pricey but productive players and Valencia needs productive players to go with their kids. Yep, is kind of how I did it. What do you What are your thoughts, Stephen? Big picture. Yeah, on I what? think I think I think it's good, not great. There you go. Let's go to San Fernando and Randy, who picked up Jaden Harznet last sim, I think. Uh, four years, nine million a year, with the last two of those being team options. Thirty-one-year-old right fielder. Um, let's see. Did we start with you last time, Stephen? So we start with Ted this time. Um, that's fine. 
Is that underwhelming? Uh, so uh, this is the deal that Harsnet always should have been on, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he is a. I think uh, he is one of the more perplexing players in the BBA, in that um, he and Scott uh, with Twin Cities would echo this. He is just really never totally lived up to it. Um, and maybe this is, again, going back to his splits, although they're not terrible. But um, maybe that overuse against his, for his with the weak half of his platoon hurts him somewhat. Uh, but for, I mean, the game still calls him a 70. And I know some people don't like the star ratings or the internal grades, but, like, those are a math problem. You know, and that they're that that's the game adding things up and saying he has more of those things. Um, yeah, and that's what I mean when I say you have to trust. If, if you're going to truly use these overalls, you have to uh, think a lot about how out of the park is doing its right, doing its magic. And maybe right? he doesn't. Maybe those are like intentionally somewhat vague or inefficient, so that they're not an exact score. Otherwise, it will all be boring. But. Um, so maybe some of the things the game's adding up there to give him that seventy rating aren't aren't quite as important. I don't I don't know. He he just seems to have underperformed. But um, it's a the contract's fine, right? Nine million for two to three win player probably is what he is. Maybe four in a good year, and the opt outs are nice little safety things there. As he gets older, um, he can play center field in a pinch. He can actually play center field every day if you don't have you know if you've got decent corner outfielders. Um, and uh, the is he a great fit in San Fernando? Um, well, uh, Randy's always looking to trade people, so you can pretty much <laughs> predict what he's going to who he's shopping if he adds a free agent player. So, um, like he's he's always looking to move something. So if he adds a redundant, what seems to be a redundant player, the answer is is because he's looking at making trades. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Stephen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he. He's, I think he's maybe a little bit of an overpay at $9 million, um, for somebody who I feel like is closer to the uh, 110 OPS plus guy than the 137 OPS plus guy that he was in Las Vegas. Um, you know, platoon guy, corner guy, sure, you can play him in center field, but I wouldn't want to. Um, yeah, you know, it's a fine deal. It's, it's you know, well... Uh, you know, the team options are good to have at the end of it. Um, so I think it's fine if, if a slight overpay. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think uh, obviously Randy uh, Randy shuffles things around better than probably anyone else in the league, uh, and that's even including Matt <laughs> when it comes right down to it. Um, those two guys uh, work the, the trade wires as well as anyone. So I, I'm with you, Ed, in the uh, – or Ted in the uh, – uh, viewpoint that somebody is not going to be around for too much longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. My my main thought with the Jaden Harsnett dealing uh, deal is this is literally the worst opt out decision on the board. Right. Right. I mean, the the guy had a thirty six million dollar for two year deal and essentially signed a thirty six million dollar for four year deal with two team options. This is like if there is an agent that needs to be fired, it's Jaden Harsnett's agent without any question whatsoever. Right. But that's also um, the difference between like the, you know, we're kind of like the results driven, which is going to tell us some things and the like, I'm not sure I can fault the game for making that decision though, because if they're calling him a 70, they have to expect that he gets paid more than this. 
No, you I know. know I, it's, I know. Yeah, well, and, you know, to, to take just a real quick tangent to MLB, it's not like this is unheard of in real life for a guy to, you know, overestimate his, his market. Right. So, oh, it's happening all the time right now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, well, you could say well, it's you got a, paid a this bad year, decision. So maybe it worked out fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's uh, also something to pay attention to in the big picture is that you know the i don't really have a problem with the game making some mistakes here and there or doing a random brain hemorrhage or whatever um because it happens it, it is fair to say it happens in real life yep so if, when you look at things in the overall picture i want to make sure things aren't the scatter of results should be something that at least feels right in the overall big picture and if an individual player doesn't uh do well or whatever, then that's a problem. But bottom line is Jaden Harsnett made a huge mistake. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I think we can all agree that Jaden Harsnett made a huge mistake. And I think Mrs. Harsnett is very unhappy with her husband right now. (laughs) And they used to get to live in Vegas. And I mean, San Fernando's fine, but they used to get to live in Vegas. That's right. It's a bad choice. There you go. So let's move on. Uh, to Long Beach, who has the longest register of players, Stephen. Every year. Every year with this. I get to Long Beach, and I'm just like, damn it. Ten, ten platoony marginal relievers that he will swap go. around until it works. Well, the big deal, you know, I mean, let's, let's not even get into the relievers yet, right? I mean, you've got, uh, I mean, the huge ads of Chris Rios and Jimmy Greenwood on two six-year contracts which are marvel, in my opinion, are marvelously structured um, to utilize your budget also with those um, relatively easy to hit as long as they're not injured um, bonuses. $4 million for Chris Rios and $6 million for Jimmy Greenwood per year. Um, Essentially, they're great injury protections in that sense. Uh, Brett Compton uh, seems like he's been around forever, but he's only 26. Uh, Six-year deal, six, $6 million a, a piece. Again, on a fairly difficult-to-reach bonus. Um, Dong Su Chan, $4 million a piece for six years, including a player option at the end. Uh, you know, those are the, the big four. And then you've got Sean Smith, who I think is a perfectly great little catcher at 31 Years old, still three-year contract at, at three million a pop. Uh, again, with a bit of a bonus uh, tied to three hundred plate appearances. Uh, and then you've got Al Gordon, one-year, fifteen hundred, uh, one point five million dollar uh, deal, uh, which is an interesting little, uh, like a Christmas stocking stuffer for for free agency. And then you've got the whole package of uh, Mark Sturdivant. <laughs> I didn't even get the Mark Sturdivant. 32-year-old guy, $1.2 million. And then you've got the whole suite of, re- of relief pitchers that, uh, that Ted is railing on. This is a quite a major haul beyond just the, your standard relief pitchers. Um, Stephen, do you want to talk about your, your uh, haul any? Sure. Um, I, I, I do this every year. I, I go overboard with the guys. Do you think? Especially with the, with the small deal guys. Um <laughs> what I'm going to make you do so is I'm going to bring you back to example, talk about every one of these deals every season until you stop doing it. What's amazing <laughs> is, is you still got $10 million left in your salary cap or $8, exactly. $9 million. 
Who knows? I might sign another catcher. You got like eight more relief pitchers coming. <laughs> I already have twelve. I I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> Start a Uniba um, team. Yeah. <laughs> so so for example, Al Gordon signs on the first sim, and that's when I haven't signed Compton and Chan. So I I'm thinking I still need a DH, you know, but but then. The sim happens, and I sign Compton and Dong Su Chan, and now Sloan Daniel is a DH. So now Al Gordon is is useless, you know. Injury and then though. I look at my outfield, and well, shoot, I don't have anybody to hit lefties. So that's where Mark Sturdivant comes in, and you know maybe I hope hope that he can repeat his performance against lefties next year. Um, and you know, obviously, I needed some help in my rotation. Um, you know, I went six years with these guys. Uh, Rios has got an opt out. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, you know, I love my relievers with the crazy splits and, uh, that's what, <laughs> that's what all these guys are. They're cheap and, and they've got crazy splits. There you go. So that's my thing. Ted, how do you rate what, uh, Steven has accomplished here this year? Probably one of the best. One of the best signings. I, even though Al Gordon may have lost a spot, he's wonderful injury, injury protection. Um, you know, it, in terms of if Mark Simpson or one of somebody that ends up being the DH gets hurt, which you don't want to see, you're not like going from. You need to have like a big thumpy DH bat somewhere hidden, uh, just in case one of those guys get hurt, because you got to be able to replace that offensive production. So I, I like Al Gordon. Um, I was wondering if you had the bids in on Compton and Sean at the same time because you don't need both, but eh, whatever it happens, those are fine. Those are great deals. Um, I like Chris Rios quite a bit. I'm a little bit curious about the opt out after the third year. Just, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like if he opts out for you, you're going to probably get a pick out of it, but I don't know that you had to give that. So, you know, and he's not that old, so maybe just keep him around, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, kind of what I did with that was, you know, that was what he was asking for. And like I said, in the Johnson league, you know, if you, you know, if you know the guys you want, you know, kind of give them what they they want. You know, so he wanted it. I I gave it to him. You know, and he signed with me. So, so is that? Uh, you know, I'll save some money. I'll have some more flexibility if he opts out. But he'll probably still be good in twenty forty one. So, is that the reason for all the player options at the end? Because that was my other question. Like, yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know, if they if they wanted it, they they got it. Okay. I. I was curious about that, and I saw those all over the place, and maybe that's just what people do. Um, I remove... I did, When people ask for contracts, I just replace t- player options with team options, or just remove them entirely, and I've never had a problem with getting... Except, you know, like, I just... I ignore their demands. I just flatten the salary scale. When they ask for escalating stuff, I just flatten the salary scale, or front-load it, um, or put in the balloon year, if that's where I can fit it, and I just get rid of uh, all player options... Um, although now that we're talking about comp picks more recently, I can see ways to use them, but uh, it's never been a huge problem for me. So I don't know that you have to give those things like to, to make the yeah. deal that much more attractive. I mean, maybe I could have gone away without them, but I don't see it as, as that much of a problem. I have a feeling that in the mid 2040s, I am going to be in a down, uh, cycle. Um, so that money will be you know, not that, that much missed anyways. Um, but, uh, I see your point. And I, yeah. I love Sean and the, Smith. The, I love that. That's a great deal. 
the guy's a starter. And I think people just think of him as like this marginal catcher and he's not. He's a good everyday catcher with an awesome glove and a good enough bat. And that's a wonderful value for a free agent starting catcher. Yeah, yeah I needed somebody who could be at least pass. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, Sean Smith is a is a two war catcher that you pick up for three million dollars for three years during what is I mean, there's a likelihood that by the time you're done with that contract that he'll be, you know, what, thirty-four at that stage. So he will probably be declining. But even then, three million for a declining two war catcher is financially a, a fine thing and you can probably trade him and I mean there's lots of things you can do with a with a guy on that kind of contract. Right, yeah. I wanted to have somebody who could, you know, hit righties better than uh, Alberto Rios. I mean, Jesus Ayala, and um, and who would be be a good receiver for my newly improved rotation. There you go. Yeah, and I think the big problem with player options is um, is really just a matter of how comfortable you are with the ambiguity of your planning, right? Because at the end of the day, the problem is you just have kind of a question mark there out in, in 2043 or 2040 with Rios. And every time you have an opt-out yeah. or a player option, ultimately that just means you don't know what your future is going to look like there. And so that's a problem that you're going to have to deal with when the time comes. So anyway, I'm, bottom line is I, I agree uh, overall that uh, – that uh, Long Beach, I, I graded Long Beach out at a at a B plus sixty five. So you're pretty high on the on the overall scale uh, from the way I looked at it. And you know, ultimately, the risk, if there is real risk here, it has to do with uh, probably Jimmy Greenwood running out into his thirty six, thirty seven year old in uh, age at that sixteen and eighteen million dollars a year time period. So I really liked the use of the 100 inning pitched uh, bonuses in that sense because you know if if the guy's going to throw 150 200 innings, then then he's probably worth the 1.6 to 1.8 two million that you end up paying him. Uh, but if he gets hurt, then you're you're down to only have to pay him the 10 and 12 and 14. It's an interesting right. contract. Right, and and Ted and I talked about Bailey, uh, Mike Mike Bailey earlier, and and I think his his. His bonus triggered at 50 innings, which was not quite enough for <laughs> for the injury coverage. Um, so I bumped it up to 100 with these guys, and I feel better about that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, bottom line is, is kudos for Long Beach, I think. But as I've uh, either said or chatted elsewhere, I, I just wonder in the Pacific whether that will end up being enough. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I'm actually I look, right? I'm looking at myself as a third-place team this year, like – I was really annoyed to see this uh, free agency from Steven because I was comfortable considering Long Beach as kind of a wild card contender and not a division title contender. And they've vaulted themselves right back into contention and it's obnoxious. So um, there you go. Good job, yeah. Steven. But this is a good it. division. Thank, thank, thanks, guys. This is a good division and I had to go big to, uh, to compete. There you go. Uh, talking of, from going big to going small. Let's go to Hawaii, who I don't have as signing anybody at this stage. Yep. Um, I think Michael uh, is probably in the process of triaging what he's going to do, is my guess, before it's all said and done. Uh, but he had a huge amount of money sitting on the 
sitting in the bank that uh, is not going any place right now. So similar to the conversation we had with um, uh, Boise was the other team that left upwards of $40 million on the table. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Uh, I have not been as active on the board, obviously, for the past couple of weeks uh, to hear what's going on. I know there have been some trades that uh, Wise has been involved in. Uh, what are your thoughts about what you think is going on uh, going on there? And I guess we'll start with uh, Ted, since we had Stephen talk about his own team a bit there. Um, my thought looking, I I haven't not had a ton of interaction with, uh, with Mike Branda. Um, I think maybe some of you guys saw that. Actually, like the first time I talked to him was maybe kind of 10 real life years ago, um, but it was a random thing. He was the commission of a GM that was having some problems with front page sports back when we used that, and I found a solution, and another person we knew introduced him to me, and he was just a nice goodbye guy back then, and that's why I was excited when I saw his name pop up. Um, I believe he said, though, that he's not run a lot of teams, so I feel like you know, he's been a commish for a long time, but I feel like he said he hasn't run a lot of OTP teams, and I wonder if he's just kind of feeling things out here. Uh, one of the worst things you can do as a new GM is go sign big, expensive, long-term deals to free agents, and I think it's the difference between him and Jeff and Boise, um, is if he were to sit on this and go, I just don't want to screw this up, I'll just wait until I'm more comfortable, I'm not sure that's the worst decision. The other thing is Hawaii had a collection of talent where they looked like uh, Mike Bishke was ready to kind of start doing what Valencia is doing this year. And I wonder if, if Mike Brando looked at that and said, you know, I don't know if it's quite enough. Because he's traded a lot of those guys who are like 22, 23, about to start being ready for even younger prospects. So I almost mm-hmm. wonder if this is kind of like a mini rebuild on the rebuild just to could be. get a bigger base. What are your thoughts, Steven? Yeah, um, I you know I think it looks like he's kind of uh, trying to put his own uh, his own spin on this team, um, which I think is fine. Um, and you know he appears to be a, a, a intelligent guy, and I'm sure he's got a plan. Um, it's you know I I think if I were Hawaii right now, I would probably look at. You know, I'd probably look at San Fernando and Long Beach and California and say, well, shoot, you know, I, that's a lot to compete with over the next few years. You know, maybe I just retool and, and you know, set my sights on, on you know, 2040, 2042. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think, you know, at the end of the day, I look at what's happening in the Pacific. Um, and the question that I would have if I were sitting in Hawaii's shoes is where do I fit in, right? Where do I try to slot in? And um, it's similar to the feeling that I had at the early beginnings of the Heartland when the Heartland was having its big, you know, Louisville, Yellow Springs, Madison, and then Twin Cities came in and Omaha. And, you know, where do you where do you try to slot in? Because the challenge that you have um, that I think that, that uh, Mike has in – Hawaii is, if you wait to, uh, San Fernando is San Fernando. Uh, I'm not completely bought into the idea that California is going to dirt, right? I think that you're playing the soft shoe game too much there, Ted. Well, I've got got (laughs) Um, more concern than I've had in a while. So maybe that's... And that's that's completely fair to have concern. But I think California is going to be a super team for a period of time. I think Long Beach is clearly always one of, I mean, Stephen's whole 
mode of operation is to be really to be good most of the time and really good the rest of the time, right? And you're stepping into one of these really good moments. Valencia, as we just said, uh, seems to be kind of like riding the wave. And I think Lee's right on the cusp in the sense that he's not quite ready to be the number one team right now. But, you know, let's say that California might be on the downward trend. Um, and let's say that one or two of these contracts that Long Beach hits um, goes sour, right? And let's say that, you know, San Fernando has some really super players right now, but they're also, you know, Gilstrom isn't going to be Gilstrom for all of too much longer. Um, it looks to me like Valencia is really well positioned to be one of the major players in in one to three years, right? Yeah, I agree. So how long do you wait <laughs> if you're Hawaii? I mean, because um, San Fernando and California have been the top dogs in the Pacific for about two to three years. Long Beach and Valencia are probably going to be the top dogs in another two to three years. Uh, you know, when when do you – that? that's a tough, tough – tough situation for Hawaii to be in. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think one of the mistakes you see with people is they try to pick their spot too much. Just be good. Right. Like just don't don't wait, just just right. be good. There's rooms for there's room for multiple good teams. Um, you know, as we saw with Calgary, I think two seasons ago, sometimes a team that you think is going to be good just gets old fast and you need to be ready to jump in when that happens. Um right. like boys Before it's all set this would be a good time for Hawaii to just kind of scoop up some of these, you know, older guys on one-year deals. You know, we're late in free agency, just yeah. fill out that roster a little bit. And ultimately, I think about it from a perspective of the team's fundamental finances and health, right? Hawaii's got some building to do to um, kind of like uh, Des Moines was a, a year or three ago. Their fan interest was down in the 40s and 50s, and now they've got it up into the 60s. Um another year knock on wood for ed and uh he'll be in the 70s or 80s and you can actually start to do something with that right. but um anyway bottom line i was interested in your in your flavor about where hawaii is being in the middle of the pacific right now and in bringing my outsiders uh <laughs> outsiders look into it so i give i give hawaii an incomplete in its grade at this stage because i'm not sure what to yeah um i think that's fair i'd like to do there so that brings us to the last team in the Frick, and that is the California Crusaders. Ted's uh, baby yeah, signed Alfredo Martinez three years for what, uh, 42 million bucks, 43 million bucks, including uh, one of those uh, intriguing $3 million bonuses for 100 plate appearances. So you would knock on wood, you'd expect he to, him to make that. Uh, and brought back Jesus Flores on a six-year deal with a couple of team options at the end. I'd forgotten that I did um, that. Oops. I only have one player there you listed go. for me. <laughs> ah, no. It's an interesting contract at $7.8 million for the first year and then rolls out to four point eight for the rest, uh, not counting the um, the $3 million bonus that you add on into your into your. Uh, Post salary cap stage. What did I, what did I call it? Your advanced bonus techniques. Right. Yes. Um, 
uh, intriguing contracts right there. I, I uh, really loved both of these contracts before it's all said and done, but I'm going to let you talk about your team first a little bit, Ted, and then we'll go to Steven and I'll add my two cents in. So where I was was that last year my offense wasn't good enough. Um, and largely it was an on-base percentage issue. The only need I had going into the offseason was shortstop, like the only positional hole I had. And there weren't great bats at shortstop. And I have Daryl Priss, your creation, coming up next year, who I'm very pleased with, but he's not ready right now. So my goal was to find a gap year shortstop. And then Brett Compton and Dong Su Chang signed for peanuts, really. And I thought, well, I'm going to throw some money at Jesus Flores and see what happens. That's really what happened. And I wanted to give myself an advantage. I don't, I, I've got some, this is my IFA year. So I try to run a $90 million budget in my IF, in my IFA season so I can just go apeshit um, with IFA contracts. Um, <laughs> more on that later. Uh, and so I, I had room available. And my thought was, Jesus Flores, I feel, is the last good shortstop out there. Um, let's see what happens. It seems like people are kind of slow to get their feet into this free agency. So I threw in a big deal in the first year. The bonus money on him, he was asking for, I think, 5.5 average annual value, um, maybe 5.8. The bonus money was just like, you know, I'm going to lowball him. I'm just going to lowball him, but I'm going to use that to hedge my bet, and I'm going to blow up the first year because I can afford it this year. And at that price, I think he's tradable. Um, and that's my plan. I He will not be on my roster next year unless something happens to Gerald Briss. Um There you go. So, I th- and I think this is a very tradable deal, even with the bonus money. He's not going to be an all-star, so who cares? Um, and the even with that bonus cash, there are some teams that can't handle it. But $4.8 million for, you know, a good defensive shortstop for three seasons with some options if he doesn't decline, I think is, is eminently tradable. So, that's how I ended up with Flores, which I'd already forgotten that I did because he was on my team last year. And then IFA happened. And I had the worst IFA ever because I spent $1,030,000. So I can't play an IFA next year, which means that I had like, I had like 60, 55 million in budget space that I had nothing to do with. And so um, at that point, Alfredo Martinez's asking price had gone from 23 to 17 million. And I just said, I was counting on Flynn Johnson to bounce back after an awful last year, but you know what? I don't even have to do that. I can just go buy Alfredo Martinez, and I can buy his entire contract out with the bonus money that I didn't get to spend if I have to. Or with the yeah. IFA with the IFA bonus money that I didn't get to spend. So that's how I ended up with Martinez. Um, the contract is designed for me to be able to get out of it at any point. Um, I cannot have that contract on the books in two years. Um, and I would prefer to not have it on the books next year. Now, if he's great, maybe I can trade him. Um, but I have to negotiate some pitcher extensions in 2040. Um, so in 20, I really don't even want it on the books in 2039 because our owners don't let us spend money even like they consider team options spent money, which is so annoying. So it's, it's, it's a Stevers over there with steam coming out of his ears. And I, I see his complaints. Um, it's, but my other argument is, if you, if you wanted him, then go offer him, you know, 
and, and maybe people did. Maybe people offered him more money, and I just got a sweet deal because I am manipulating this. I, I would always, I always want to know like who got beat out. You know, like who else put in an offer and was it better than mine? Um, oh sure. I you know I don't know, but I feel like this is a pretty competitive offer. I don't think anyone was going to give him more money than this. Um, and yeah, what do you think, Stephen? What are your thoughts on on uh, the California Hall here? Um, Alfredo Martinez has been one of my favorites uh, since I entered the league. Um, it's it's a pricey deal, but uh, you know, essentially it's one year, nineteen million. Uh, that's fine. You have the cap space. You got a really good hitter. You know that's great. Um, Flores obviously is a known quantity for Ted. You know he's he's been around. Uh, he knows what he did. He knows what he can do. Uh, not really my kind of guy. Uh, the defense is great. I would love to see a better bat against righties. Um, but you know, it's it's good. And and like Ted says, it's 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 tradable at at four point eight million. And uh, you know, it's not like there's a an, a lot of short guys who can play shortstop and and be passable with the bat in free agency. So. I think it's fine. And I agree with you. I, I don't like Flores' bat either. It was just the best of a bunch of bad options that was left. Uh, anyway you should have point. paid up for a Compton or Chon. Yep. Well, you know, the thing is, is I don't I don't want to play Compton at shortstop. Like I, no, that's that's a good point. And he won't be playing shortstop for me. So, Yeah. You know, I think the uh, when you look at Flores, I personally absolutely love the Flores deal. Um because yes, his bat is not uh, brilliant, but I mean, to me, Flores matches what uh, matches the California profile uh, perfectly, right? I mean, at the end of the day, he can hit left-handed pitching at least, and I mean, he's not total dog meat against right-handed pitching. But bottom line is, I mean, discount his last year; he's a four-war player, and with the way California focuses pitching um that defense is really useful you would not want a brett compton at shortstop in california that would be a bad <laughs> that'd be a bad situation yeah, you want you want your point. elite defensive shortstop mm-hmm. in california so yeah. i loved this contract and i loved the breakout and i agree if you're going to use him as a trade uh, that is an imminently tradable shortstop unless he just crashes right and, he and if he crashes you can if he crashes, you can buy him out. You're, you're running at a hundred and sixty million dollar budget, so you're that that's a zero risk uh, deal for you as far as that's concerned. When I look at it, um, and Martinez, I mean, uh, one of the elite hitters in the league. Really, um, you talk about it being a nineteen million dollar one year deal. It's really a twenty two million dollar one year deal because right. he's going to make a hundred plate appearances, and so Martinez made a huge yeah. uh, intelligent opt-out, right? He was at $35 million for two years when he opted out. He's going to make $22 million essentially next year, and then he's going to be on the free agent market again and get you a comp pick unless um, uh, if he opts out, he gets you a comp pick. He'll get hurt and miss the whole season. But he'll still probably opt out and still make his uh, comp pick numbers, and you know he'll play 100 games. That's fine. You, you can deal with that. Right. Uh, I just thought that was a. I thought both of these were extremely perfect, uh, um, perfect players for you. 
yeah, I'm I'm super happy. Like I didn't at the time I was kind of thinking, eh, do I want to do this? But you know, he's a great on base percentage player. The other thing is, look at what happened to Fernando Moreno when he came here. I'm mm-hmm. expecting big things out of Alfredo Martinez next year if he can stay on the field. I really think he might just tear the cover off the ball. Um, yeah. Robot you know, and so if I were you, I'd probably start him five out of seven days and uh, make sure he has a defensive replacement on occasion just to keep him off the field sometimes. <laughs> yep. No, that's right. That's that's probably what I'm going to do. I was thinking about just dumping Flynn Johnson, but I think I'm just going to keep Johnson as the backup and uh, just buy out Kazarov's deal, um, yeah. and that'll get me under the cap. But uh, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you've got the money. You just added a huge value into your team, and I loved your conversation about where you're going in 2039 and 2040 because not only can you possibly get out of this quite easily since you're running way over uh, your budget is high. Uh, but you may even get out of it with a draft pick right. if he opts out. I mean, how can how can you structure a deal that's any better uh, better functioned for you? So quite honestly, when I graded this out, I graded you as the best. I graded California as the best um, offseason uh, free agency inside the Frick because I thought you hit it exactly what you needed to hit. I gave you a 70, and I gave Long Beach number two. Um, uh, kind of neck and neck with Valencia um, makes me feel before nice. it's all said and said and done. So, you know, just a interesting, interesting collection of general managers and approaches and and sets of players. Really, a fascinating uh, off season, as far as I can tell. I wish I would have been here at the front part of it. And I think I think the bigger classes make these more interesting, right? Like, there's just more that can happen. Um, when you right. actually have good players in free agency, as opposed to, I mean, there were a few years back when it was just, just boring, just you know, right. really, really dull. So. Yeah, and I agree with you on the frustration of the way that Out of the Park goes about communicating its players' um, demands, right at the front end before it goes to free agency. If it just wants to uh, send a player to free agency, it would be a little bit easier to take if he just said, look, you're going to have to blow me away totally or I'm going to free agency. Uh, but, you know, instead they just throw all these numbers out there. And, yeah, it's uh, it's the disappointment of seeing them in free agency asking for significantly less. If you mm-hmm. knew that that was going to happen because they're saying, I, I want to go to free agency, it would just, I don't know, maybe, you know, it's just a feel issue as opposed to like looking at right. a guy and going, are you kidding me? Do you really think you're worth that? You know, like a, it's... Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Alrighty, last uh, any famous last words to start with Stephen. Overall perspective, uh, what are you looking for going through the season? Uh, who do you think won free agency? Overall thoughts. Um, I, I think it was a fun free agent class. Uh, I'd like to see a lot of guys out there that are good and young. Um, I think that uh, you know. I have to disagree with you. I think that I won free agency just like I'm going to win the uh, Frick League Pacific. And, and uh, no, you know, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, I think overall it was a, it was a great free agent class. You can um, beat your I own drum. Steven. Of- <laughs> you have a good drum to beat. You can beat your own drum. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I think I think there were a lot of really good deals signed this year. I think there were very few. few if any, I don't even know if there were any deals that I, that were signed that were, you know, like a Ken Jenkins 
Atkins type where you go like, you know, gosh, what was that GM in Long Beach thinking when he did that? Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think it was fun and, and I'm excited for this, this next season and, uh, God, it's going to be a, a, a real fight in the Pacific, but, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Ted, overall final thoughts? I don't have a whole lot to add. I think to what we talked about already, I, I just think it's, uh, it is really enjoyable to do these. Um, I, when we did the Johnson one, I couldn't pick a loser because I don't think anyone deserved to be, you know, and, uh, I think that's great. I don't think you could do it here either. I don't think there were, like Steven said, I don't think there were too many, like I, there weren't even, I shouldn't say there weren't even too many before I could always find a contract where I was like, that's bad. That's just bad. I don't think that happened this year really at all. Um, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, so, well, it's good. I hope the free agencies stay like this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree totally. And I think that's a, um, you know, there's a couple of places where we've talked about things where maybe slight overpays in places, but you can justify them in a lot of ways. I completely agree. There are no bad contracts in this list that we've talked about. Um, just, you know, flat out, oh my God, that's going <laughs> to, there's no Bertram Hans and there's no uh, uh, Ken Jenkinses and things like that. I think that really speaks well, uh, speaks about what it means when I, when I talk about how many fantastic general managers we have in this, uh, in this league. I want to, uh, I'm going to continue to pound that home because this is um, one of my greatest joys of, uh, one of my frivolous joys is this league, and one of the things I love about it the most is having been in many fantastic and well-run leagues. This is um, this free agency does nothing but cement the idea to me that that uh, we have some absolutely fantastic, out of the park playing general managers um, with lots of different plans and approaches, and it's really fascinating to watch. So. And yes, these are fantastic to do. Thank you for both of your times. It's been fun to chat with you about them and uh, bounce your ideas off of what I think. So thanks for your time here tonight. Yeah, well, yeah thanks, thanks for driving. Um, it's nice to, to do one of these and, and not be the, the default host. Um, so uh, I'll wrap us up, though, I guess. With that, you know, thanks, everybody, that's still listening. I hope you enjoyed this. And thanks. Uh, you already said thanks to us. But thank you, Ron, for, <laughs> for doing all this. And thanks uh, to you. You're welcome. Thanks.